0: Um, Apologies, it's a little bit chilly in here. Um, But I I, I was going to say, in that last bit of worship when we sang, uh, we give you all the glory, I just had goosebumps all over me. And I don't think that's because it's cold in here. I think that it's because it's the Spirit of God. So I feel quite, um, yeah, I feel a bit undone. Um, This morning, our third Sunday in Advent Um, I want to look at joy. Um, So what is it that brings you joy? Um, I asked my small group this this week, and I had a variety of different answers. Um, That's one of my mum's Christmas decorations. She never did tacky, but she now, like when I walked into her house last weekend, we had Christmas with my um, family last weekend. It's, oh, I'm glad you think it's not tacky um, I'm not sure my dad would have liked it but he's not around anymore so um, my mum can decorate the house however she likes and I walked into her living room and that was on her mantelpiece and I was like oh, I need to take a picture of that because I'm going to speak on joy next week um, what brings you joy some people in our small group said um, going on an amazing roller coaster and then having the debrief with the kids afterwards about the most scary bit um, <laughs> I know <laughs> um, seeing, Being with friends and family And seeing other people happy um, Seeing my children succeed And them grow in confidence um, h- Having a home Having food in the fridge And happy children um, If you're Shirley Ballas On Strictly um, You get great joy From watching a Charleston Done really well and I think I get great joy from that, too. I probably don't have as keen an eye as her. Um, now, I did have a whole paragraph in here about England winning yesterday. <laughs> because when I wrote this, I was convinced. I know very, not very much about football, but I had faith that it clearly wasn't prophetic. Um, but maybe uh, maybe you might have felt joy if, if they had won. Um, uh, Russ is not here, he's poorly this morning, and he is um, an avid football fan. <laughs> yeah, he is poorly, he's not just, n- like, nursing his, his broken heart. Um, anyway, uh, maybe, maybe you feel joy uh, having friends and family round your table eating together. Maybe buying that perfect gift for somebody that you know they will love. I think as I've talked to a few people about joy over the last couple of weeks and as I've thought about it, I think that joy always involves other people. And it's, I think joy in isolation. I mean, I haven't researched this extensively. Um, I haven't read any papers or anything on it. But I feel, uh, as I've, my, my limited research, I feel like um, actually it's almost impossible to experience joy on your own. It has to be done uh, in in community, the Oxford English Dictionary says that joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness, which I totally understand and I kind of agree with. And who am I to argue with the Oxford English Dictionary? But I will argue with them because that's kind of a slight part of my personality. Um, but I would argue that joy is bigger and deeper than just happiness. Happiness is good but I think it can be fleeting. You know, there are moments uh, where we experience happiness, but I think it's so often uh, dependent on the circumstances you're in. So, for example, when, um, when England scored yesterday, the house I was in, there was an awful lot of happiness, but it was fleeting. Um, I think joy goes deeper. It's transcend- more transcendent of our situations and our circumstances. And uh, for those of you that have heard of the fruits of the Spirit, Paul talks about them in the book of Galatians, and joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit living and working in us, one of the things that will blossom as a result of that will be joy in our lives. G.K. Chesterton, who's a kind of author, writer, theologian, said, joy, which, is the, which was the small publicity for, of the pagan, is the gigantic secret of the Christian we, as followers of Jesus, have access to great joy. Another commentary I read said, Joy is a bubbling and sustained sense of God's nearness, affection, and provision. I love that. And if you're looking for an example of where joy is not dependent on circumstance or situation, um, if you ever read any of Corey Temboon's writings... Cory Temboon um, and her family hid Jews from the Nazis, um, and she eventually, with her sister and father, ended up in Ravensbrück concentration camp in Germany in 1944. And despite her circumstances, she said this, When we are powerless to do our thing, it is great joy that we have when we come and step inside the ability of Jesus. So she knew and understood something of joy, even though her situation was beyond a nightmare. She knew that joy of the sustained sense of God's nearness, affection and provision. So we can probably all recall times of happiness, can't we? And how is joy different from, for you? And I want to look this morning at what joy brings, what, sorry, what Jesus brings in joy. And if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't given him your allegiance as, his, as, as king, if you haven't surrendered your life to him, then you might want to listen to what I'm going to say and weigh it up. Because I think in following Jesus, in surrendering our lives to him, we have access to the greatest joy imaginable. So I'm going to read some verses from Luke chapter 2. If you've got a Bible, feel free to turn to it. Check I'm not making this stuff up. Um, if you don't have a Bible and would like one, we've got some um, on the information table where you're more than welcome to take one. Um, and Luke is in the second half of the Bible, and I'm going to read Luke 2, verses 8 to 20. It's probably some, a story that you're familiar with, um, But um, I thought I'd read it anyway. So make sure you're sitting comfortably. Wrap up warm, put your hat on and your scarf if you'd like to. And there were shields living in the... No, come on, me, put your teeth in. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So, firstly, verse 8 starts with an and, which makes me think, well, what happened before? So just a brief, brief recap, verses 1 to 7 uh, we hear about J- Mary and Joseph arriving and going to Bethlehem because of the census. Um, and then Jesus is born. The birth of Jesus all wrapped up in two verses, short and sweet, if anyone's had a baby. If only it was that, that short and sweet and tied up so neatly. Um, or also it might be that if you've had a baby, you think, oh, I'd like to know some more details. That's a whole nother issue. Um, <laughs> Jesus was born in Bethlehem and the very next people that Luke felt that it was important to hear or Luke told us about, heard about this birth was the shepherds. The angels appeared to the shepherd and, and the angels appeared to the shepherd. This birth had happened and the shepherds are told. Now shepherds appear quite a lot throughout scripture. There's a long heritage of God using shepherds throughout human history, starting with Abraham, then Isaac and Jacob, Rachel, Moses, Aaron, David, Amos, names that you might be unfamiliar with, but all, all people who were pretty significant in the history of God's people. And also, if we go back to Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible, in Genesis 46, we, we know that in that culture, shepherds weren't considered particularly um, highly. They were seen quite like servants, and actually the verse in Genesis 46 talks about how the Egyptians saw shepherds as detestable. So, so it's unusual that the shepherds perhaps were the first people to hear of Jesus's birthday, birth, but yet the Bible consistently, um, the salvation narrative consistently turns up with those who are underprivileged and overlooked throughout Scripture. So there is significance in the shepherds hearing first that Jesus had arrived. Now, it is, I think it possibly is unusual if um, when a baby is born. You know it might be that you, you work out who you're going to tell first, um, and who your first visitors are going to be. Would you want some like random, smelly men from a hillside who've been up all night um, looking after their sheep? Um, coming to see you, I, I possibly wouldn't have, but I'm not going to put that on any of you. Um, but there must have been a reason in God for God's plan. You know, even if it doesn't make sense and we think it's slightly weird and it, we can't see it, God's plan had a purpose and significance. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, how many of us? Things don't make sense. We don't quite understand it. But if it's God's plan, are we prepared to trust it? Are we prepared to go with it? So the angel appeared and they were terrified. Verse 10 says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. It doesn't just say great joy for a few people or great joy for those of you that are really well behaved and tickle the boxes or great joy for those of you that believe the right thing and act in a certain way. The angel says, I bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. This term good news, it's the first time, um, the first, the the Greek is evangelion and it's used initially to uh, announce Caesar's birth. He says, the God has arrived, little g, not capital G. Um, and Mark in Mark's gospel hijacks this phrase in Mark 1-1, and he says, the good news, the evangelion of Jesus, the king has been born. God, capital G has arrived. And so this good news that this king has been born. Is, is, is what causes great joy, a deep, lasting pleasure and happiness. Or uh, despite by all that we focus on, all that we see ourselves, all the circumstances we find ourselves in, we can still know joy. Joy because God has moved into the neighborhood. God is near. His affection and provision are closer than they have ever been because Jesus was born in a barn. And today, we read later on in the the New Testament that we today have the Holy Spirit, God's helper, to live in us. The third part of God, wanting to live in us and express himself through us. When babies are born, there's always different feelings floating around, isn't there? Depending on who you are, whether you are the mum, the dad, a sibling, an aunt, an uncle, wider family and friends, or a random person on the street. And when Jesus was born, there were and there still are many different feelings at play. Different people feel different things, think different things. But these shepherds, they were singled out by God to find out what the significance of this baby meant. God coming to earth as king. He came, he was born as king whether we acknowledge that or not. And so his existence changes everything for everyone. And we have a choice to say yes to him, to give him our allegiance, to live as subjects to him, the king. Because he's, and because of that, he's interested and wants to be involved in all of our lives, shaping and protecting it. So this good news causes great joy. joy as a result of Jesus being born, that we can know and experience on a daily basis whatever situations we might face. One response to Jesus being born as king is one of thankfulness. Thankfulness because of all that it signifies. Jesus is king, lord, saviour, protector and friend amongst other things. I read a quote last week from an author called Sarah Young, and she said this thankfulness is an attitude of the heart that produces joy. And I loved that connection between thankfulness and joy. And I felt like it's a bit of a cyclical thing. It's like Jesus was born, which causes great joy. We are thankful to him because of all that that means his kingship, his saving grace, his presence. And that thankfulness changes us like um, a few months ago Lydia preached on having an attitude of gratitude and she talked about our neural pathways changing because of thankfulness and it's like we've got joy we've got thankfulness our neural pathways are changed and that thankfulness produces more joy so I think thankfulness and joy are intrinsically linked however let's take a reality check on Sunday the 11th of December It might be that you aren't feeling that joyful this morning. It might be that you do genuinely face situations and circumstances that are stealing your joy. It might be that the thought of leading up to Christmas, there's different things at play in your family, personally, in your wider community that that take that dynamic of joy and slightly uh, slice it in half. So rather than focusing on the joy, let me ask you the question. Let's reframe it and ask, what are you thankful for? If thankfulness really is an attitude of the heart that produces joy, and you know that joy isn't quite where you want it to be, your joy if there is such a thing, what are you thankful for? Now, I imagine that the shepherds back on, in Jesus' day weren't expecting uh, the angels to appear in the, in the skies. They probably would have never been singled out for anything ever before. They were just getting on with their jobs, minding their own business. And they had an encounter with an angel. And rather, just, rather than just sit in that place of encounter, they listened to what the angel said and they responded and they went and met with Jesus, which changed everything. Verse 20, the, eight, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. It might be when I paused and asked you what you were thankful for, it might be that you might have struggled with even that. So I think if you're not sure what you're thankful for, then I believe that you need to meet with Jesus. You need to experience the presence of his Holy Spirit. We were driving here this morning and we had some Christmas tunes on. And you, I was going to say you know. You might not know because I don't want to tie you all with the same brush as me. But Elton John sang a song that said, Step into Christmas. Does do anybody know that? Penn does. Step into Christmas. Da, 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 da. Um, and on our car thing, it just said, Step into Christ, because that was all you could see. And I was like, Yes, that, that's what I want to say this morning. You know, so whenever you hear Elton John singing over the next few weeks, Step into Christmas, remember this moment. I think it's an invitation to step into Christ's presence, to step towards Him, particularly if we're feeling that we um, are, yeah, we're not sure what we're thankful for. We're not even sure where God is and where the joy is. We have this invitation to step into Christ, to step into his presence. It might be that you're here this morning and you have, uh, you, you're not even really sure what you think about God. It might be you have a killjoy impression of God, that he, uh, that he is out to, to, to kill our joy. to to take all the fun things out of life. And perhaps your heart isn't inclined towards him. And again, I would say that that is not the creator God's heart. Jesus was born, and that is good news that causes great joy for all people. We can step towards him, step into his presence. It might be that you are currently facing situations in your life that are stealing your joy. And again, I felt like as I was thinking about this that, that we can come to God with those things and we can, we can give them to him and we can say, this is not right. This is making me angry. This situation is totally unjust. And we can go to God with those things because he can handle our stuff he can handle how we're feeling. And he can change our perspective. He might not necessarily change the circumstance or the situation as we would like him to in our timing. But he will still meet with us. And actually, when our focus is on him, everything changes. So I love the fact that the shepherds listened and responded to what the angel said. Will we listen, maybe for the first time, maybe afresh, maybe again this morning, listen to this proclamation of Jesus being born? Jesus' very existence on earth as a man is genuinely good news that causes great joy. And when we know that, when we begin to grasp that, we can respond. We can respond to him and his love. We can respond with thankful hearts. So if you've never said yes to Jesus, never said, okay, I'll give you a go, never said, I want to follow you, then um, it might be this morning that you go, I'll take a punt, I'll go for it. And we would love to pray with you. It might be this morning that you are in a place of great joy and celebration and we want to celebrate with you. But it might be that you're in a place where you know that you have some joy stealers in your life, that you want to focus on God, you want to get God's perspective on. We would love to pray. So why don't we stand? And we are just, the Holy Spirit's here already we are going to just invite him to increase. We've got time. And if you've not done this before, you might just want to close your eyes or you might want to look around the room, see what's going on. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. And we ask that you would increase